Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Hey, Penn State fans, Bob Flounders joined by Johnny McGonigal. It is Monday. Uh, normally, for, the, for like the last few months, Johnny, uh, we'd, be, we'd be kind of following James Franklin's weekly news conference, but this is the week where, uh, you know, they are officially, with except for the bowl game, into their offseason. Uh, still one game to go. We we don't know the identity of it, Johnny, but we have a lot to get to. Uh, just a couple thoughts maybe on Penn State's win against Michigan State. Also, the bowl, the OC, all of it. The offseason isn't really that slow anymore, especially, Johnny. I know the transfer portal is about set to open, and people are going to be really curious to see uh, – the movement in and out from Penn State. Yeah, Bob. I mean, like you mentioned, they still have a bowl game upcoming here in a month's time-ish. We'll find out uh, where they ultimately end up on Sunday afternoon when the final college football playoff committee rankings come out after the conference championship games on Friday and Saturday. Uh, And all signs right now are pointing to a near six bowl game. There's a chance that they might get squeezed out uh, in the final rankings, it's just depending on what happens uh, over the weekend. But just looking at some of the bowl projections right now, it's looking like a you know a Peach Bowl uh, in Atlanta or maybe a Fiesta Bowl uh, in Arizona. Uh, but so we'll have to stay tuned on that. But like you mentioned, the it, it, you know the off season it, it, it's not here yet technically, but it feels like it over these next couple weeks um, with what's coming down the pike with with a new offensive coordinator. Hiring um, set to happen, I would think, soon. We're recording this at 1.34 p.m. on Monday. Uh, so let's hope it doesn't happen while we're while we're talking here, Bob. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, the portal opening. Uh, it opens next Monday, uh, December 4th, uh, the day after those rankings come out. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend, Johnny. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing some college football. I'll be, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm not looking forward to the Big Ten title game. I think most... Other than the Michigan and Iowa fan bases, I you know I don't really know who's going to get too worked up about that game. But there's still Friday and Saturday. There are still some really good games. I'm hoping to see them. Obviously, Alabama, Georgia, um, Oregon, Washington is another one. I think that is uh, going to have some implications. Who do you think Penn State fans should be watching? Maybe with an eye towards the bowl game. Can we do that, or is it going to be? Is it, there's is is that team still? I mean, that team is probably not playing uh, over the weekend. Whoever that team is. Well, in terms of the projections from what I've seen, you know, Missouri is a very um, you know, highly projected in terms of number of projections that they would play maybe the Tigers in, in the Peach Bowl or in the Fiesta Bowl. And, and their season's done. Uh, they finished 10-2 and two, uh, with a win over the weekend. In terms of you know, making a New Year's Six Bowl game but not playing a Power 5 team, which Penn State did in the Cotton Bowl playing Memphis a few years back, there's a chance that that happens again. 
And right now that team is Tulane uh, and they play in the AAC championship game uh, against SMU. Uh, and so the, it could be the winner of that game could potentially be Penn State's uh, bowl opponent. Um, if Tulane loses and they don't rank SMU, maybe it's an undefeated Liberty. Um, so that's that. those are possibilities as well. Um, there's a chance that if Texas loses uh, in, in the Big 12 title game that you know, they get uh, they get Penn State in that large New Year's Six game. There's a chance that if Alabama loses, they put Bama up against Penn State. There's still a lot of moving pieces. I'm just looking forward to watching the, the games this weekend from a football fan standpoint because uh, I think Oregon-Washington on Friday night is going to be a banger, Bob. I don't know about you. Um, I'm, I'm taking Oregon in that game. I also think Oregon is going to win. If, if they win on Friday night against Washington, uh, I think they win the national title. I, I think they do it. Um, I just like the way that team is playing uh, so well right now. Uh, but yeah, a lot of good football uh, to watch over the weekend, and that's not including Michigan, Iowa, which is going to be like the ugliest, you know, crappy bloodbath you, you'll ever see. Yeah, yeah, you hate to see it for Kirk Ferentz. You hate to see it. Truly, just a stand-up guy. <laughs> uh, Johnny, speaking of games, uh, just real, just real quick, uh, we did get to do a video after the game, uh, Penn State's game on Friday night. Pressed for time, a little bit shorthanded, but uh, Johnny, it was it was it was pretty clear early in this game that Michigan State just could not was going to have a really tough time against this this uh, Penn State team, athletic, you know, quick, and you know it's been a tough year for Michigan State. They've had a lot of uh, distraction distractions off the field. They have a new coach already since uh, the interim coach Harley Barnett uh, concluded his career against Penn State, but it just really wasn't, I don't know if it was, I mean, Penn State was very focused, um, but it, Michigan State, uh, <clears throat> they went kind of quietly. That surprised me a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's one of those where I thought maybe coming into that game, especially playing in Detroit, uh, so many Michigan players, Michigan natives on that Michigan State roster, that it would be a pride thing for them to keep it close. But when the talent discrepancy is that big, uh, when the coaching discrepancy is that big, when you got all that going on for Michigan State, who had nothing to play for at four and seven, uh, I'm not necessarily surprised by the result. Um, and I, I was a little surprised that at halftime, it was only 13 to 10. I felt like it, sh it should have been a heck of a lot more for Penn State, given how they were moving the ball and putting themselves in really good positions, having to settle for three field goal attempts in the first half, making two of them. Uh, but then, you know, they, they put it away uh, in the second half. And I think it was, you know, impressive, but also kind of necessary, I feel like, for some of the guys to to play the way that they did play well um, going into a bowl game and then into 2024. You talk about Nick Singleton being uh, the one first and foremost to finally crack that century mark uh, rushing this season. I believe he had 100 and God, it was it was 180 all-purpose yards or 180 you know, scrimmage yards with the receiving. He had a 50-plus yard catch and run, which was nice to see. Uh, Katron Allen uh, had a career high, 137 rushing yards. Uh, and and you know, talking to Nick after the game, he he committed himself to coming back to Penn State in 2024. I know that uh, there was some rumblings amongst some fans that they were wondering, hey, could Nick leave because he's not the you know undisputed number one and. Uh, but it seems like Penn State will have that duo at running back back uh, for next season, which is big. Drew Aller uh, also committing to, to playing at Penn State next year, which you know we sp spoke to him after the game. That was the first time we spoke to him since Yersich was fired. And Mike Yersich was such a big uh, factor 
uh, in Aller coming to Penn State in the first place. And he played really well against Michigan State, too. So uh, what you wanted to see on offense and what you wanted to hear after the game from those guys. Yeah, and the way that the way that Penn State did it, um, regardless of who's calling the plays, um, a much more organized approach, I think simplified. James talked about, especially with the wideouts, uh, stop worrying about what they're not good at right now and and play to their strengths. What what are they good at? And I just that's why I thought I thought it's 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 not a coincidence, Johnny, the last two games of the regular season that Amari Evans kind of emerged and was able to, to kind of make an impact stretching the field. I think he had a 25-yard catch uh, against Rutgers. He had a 60-yard uh, catch uh, in this game, which is an incredible throw by Drew Aller. But uh, I just think that he was a guy that I think you and I both felt coming out of spring that uncer- uncertainty at you know on the depth chart, this is a guy that can make his move. He's got the speed, and you, know, you didn't really know what Dante Cephas was going to do, but – you know, the season starts, I, I don't know if he was like he was dealing with a minor injury, but, you know, he never really got going. But I think, you know, Mike Yersich leaves and this guy starts making plays. I don't know that that's I don't think that's a coincidence. No, I don't think it is either. And and James had talked about it before the Michigan State game about his wide receivers. And he mentioned it after the game as well. Just putting those guys in positions to, you know, really lean on their strengths and showcase their strengths and not so much, you know, forcing, you know, around, you know, around peg into a square hole kind of deal. Like just, you know, asking a wide receiver to do things that maybe isn't their strong suit. And uh, I think maybe, you know, with, with Mike Yersich as the offensive coordinator, he tried to just put the guys out there at wide receiver who were best equipped to maybe do everything on the whole and not necessarily do a singular job, uh, better than anyone else, if that makes sense. And I think Amari Evans, as a field stretcher, you know, showed against Michigan State. He was open uh, earlier in the game too. That I think Drew Drew missed the touchdown uh, when he completed it to Kamandre Lambert Smith for 22 yards, and then you know follows it up and ends up hitting Amari later in the game, which was a great throw, by the way. You know, us sitting up in the press box at Ford Field, uh, you know, watching him uncork that pass. I mean, that was 60 yards in the air. It's not like it was a 20 yard you know, throw and then a run after the catch. I mean, it was really impressive. And Omari did a great job getting open and just barely getting tripped up, um, maybe on his own feet, maybe on uh, on a Michigan State defender on his way uh, just shy of the end zone. But, um, yeah, you talk about building blocks and and players that uh, use that regular season finale uh, as an opportunity, maybe as a confidence booster going into bowl prep and then next season. I mean, Omari Evans is one of those that definitely stands out. Yeah, uh, I, I like him. Um, I think obviously there's probably some things he still needs to get better at, but he can run. It was pretty clear in the blue white game, even though it was a scrimmage and it was definitely made more clear against Michigan state secondary. You're right. He is a player. I think a young player that, you know, can really, really uh, make a move. Johnny, I don't know that we're going to get a chance to talk again until after the portal opens, right? That's, That's supposed to be a week from today. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it opens um, on next Monday, so Monday the the fourth. It's open. I think Penn State's open for business, as is every other school, as far as talent acquisition. Johnny, if you if we had to talk about a list of three position priorities, I think we probably would ha- we could agree. I, I think at least on one, as as would everybody else. But in your mind, um, who, who should Penn State be prioritizing? Not a specific player, but a, a position. I mean. Yeah, I think wide receiver remains the number one position of need 
uh, for Penn State going into next season. Uh, that was the case this time last year. Uh, you know, again, I remember after the Rose Bowl, they get the commitment from Devin Carter from NC State, and he ultimately flips to West Virginia. But they bring in Malik McLean from Florida State. They bring in Dante Cephas from Kent State. They wanted Caden Prather, who ended up transferring to Maryland. Uh, they wanted Dante Thornton, who uh, transferred from Oregon to Tennessee. Um, they were in on a lot of guys last year. They're going to be in on a lot of guys this year, too. And uh, you better believe that James Franklin is, once he gets the offensive coordinator hired down, he's going to be selling whoever he hired to those wide receivers in the portal. Uh, Marcus Hagens is going to be going to work to try to you know, build relationships with these guys quickly. Uh, and get them into into Penn State, you know, in the fold at Penn State. Uh, so wide receiver, I think, is the number one deal because again, whether it's a coordinator, whether it's you know assembling talent around him, you have to put Drew Aller in, in the best position to succeed in 2024. Um, which you know we talked so much this season about, yeah, Drew, you know, not necessarily playing well against Michigan and Ohio State. And he took blame for that. But I also think that the pieces around him failed him, specifically a wide receiver and offensive coordinator. So um, that's that's the biggest uh, need. Uh, but they, they've got other needs, too. Like, you know, you're going to be losing, I think, probably two corners in, in Kalen King and Johnny Dixon. Um, you, you look at defensive end, Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac will be off to the NFL. And I know they like their, uh, their, their number twos there with Denai Dennis Sutton and Amin Vanover. Uh, but beyond them, Zariah Fisher has shown some flashes. But, you know, if there's an impact defensive end to be had out there, we saw that they've they've made no bones about, um, you know, going out and getting one with Chop a couple of years ago. So, uh, but wide receiver is, is definitely the number one priority. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Johnny, let's off, let's flip it the other way now. Um, you know, you, you mentioned they're not going to, the next game won't be for a while. There, there are going to be some opt outs. I would, <clears throat> excuse me. I don't think there's any chance there aren't. Who's that? Who's who's on your list of? I mean, it could be a pretty uh, long list, but who's on your list of? Hey, it was really nice watching these guys, but that's probably the last time I'm going to see them in the blue and white. Yeah, I think the two guys who were preseason first round projected draft picks that maintain that status are Olu Fashanu uh, and Chop Robinson, and I, I would be very surprised to see them play. Uh, in a bowl game, Kalen, I, I say maintain that status because Kalen King before the year was a projected first round pick preseason All-American. I think me and you both agree and, and anyone really watching Penn State this year would agree that Kalen didn't necessarily play to that standard um, all the time. And uh, he might be dropping in, in the draft a bit. Still a talented guy. I mean, you flip on that tape from 2022 uh, if you're an NFL GM and, and you would definitely want him in your secondary. But I think there's a question whether or not he'll go in the first round. For him, though, to go out with a win, and he's he's a Detroit native, and winning at Ford Field is that's a pretty cool way, I'm sure, for him to go out. So I, I would be um, I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't play in the bowl game either. Uh, Adisa Isaac is another one that really improved his draft stock, who had a serious injury that he had to come back from, and he did, and and he really made some money for himself this season. Uh, is he going to be willing to put himself at risk for another? Injury like that in a bowl game, um, especially if it's not a near six bowl, if they get left out of that or, um, you know, no disrespect to the group of five. But if it's against a Tulane or a Liberty or an SMU, like um, I, I think, you know, he would be a candidate for that as well. And that's just scratching the surface. But those are the the four um, that, that I think are real candidates for that. 
Yeah, I think um, maybe Curtis Jacobs, too, is a guy that, um, depending on how you view his season, uh, there's a lot he can do for a team. And, and we talked that I think some teams, some NFL people really, really like him. But he's a guy, certainly, that I think has done all he needed to do on the college level. He is a, He's a three-down linebacker who can really run. Played well against Michigan State, uh, I thought, but the entire defense, Johnny, had themselves a day uh, uh, against the Spartans. They were just uh, they weren't they couldn't do anything. Fifty three total yards, and uh, the second half was it was it was actually just rough to watch. But uh, I I just bring that up because I, it was so much fun <clears throat> watching this defense. And you could say you're going to see him again, but I don't think you're going to see the Michigan State version of Penn State's defense because there are going to be some people that leave. Yeah, and and this was the defense of Bob that we saw all season. I mean, it was a it was a perfect regular season finale for Manny Diaz's unit. Um, we talk about bowl opt outs. I mean, there's a chance that Manny Diaz isn't coaching the defense uh, in the bowl game if there's a head coaching gig that opens up that that he fancies and there's a and there's a school that wants him. Um, I, I saw that there was talk that you know maybe he would like there was USC D coordinator talk around Manny. I think the way he's wired, I feel like he just wants to be head coach again. Um, and so I feel like if he's going to leave Penn State, it would be for one of those opportunities. You look at what the defense did against Michigan State, what it did really all season, being aggressive, you know, being disruptive in the secondary, but really in the backfield, around the line of scrimmage, shutting down the run game. I mean, I think Michigan State had, what, 50 or 60 yards or something like that. You know, there was a discrepancy between the live stats book that we would get during the game and the official NCAA stats. But Either way, Michigan State uh, averaged like one yard a play. It was it was ridiculous, and um, a lot of that has to do with Manny Diaz and the talent that you know was at his disposal. So, uh, yeah, the defense will be looking differently. I would I would suspect in the bowl game, but they've got a lot of young players too ready to step up, and that's kind of what these opportunities are for. Obviously, you want to go out with a win and and get to eleven and two, um, but you look at a Tony Rojas, right? If uh, Curtis Jacobs decides to opt out, I mentioned Zariah Fisher as a player off the edge, Jamil Lyons, maybe, uh, if Chop and Adisa don't play. Um, you know, Drew Shelton at, at tackle, maybe even Javen Williams gets some run, uh, you know, assuming Olu doesn't play in the bowl game. So, yeah, th- this is a team that has been using its depth really well, I, I think, especially last year, but even this year too. Um, they haven't earned as many redshirts this year, but still have a lot of young talent uh, that are gonna, that's going to factor in um, in 2024, in 2025. And uh, these 15 practices ahead of a bowl game, plus, you know, the actual bowl game, I think, will be, you know, big for their development. Yeah, Johnny, I'm actually, you know, we're, I'm sure we'll be, we'll be looking once we learn the, the bowl, uh, the bowl game and the, the team they're going to play. We'll be writing a lot about some players maybe to really watch during the 15 practices and then the game itself. But just off the top of my head, you, you mentioned the corners. If Penn State's down a couple of corners in the bowl game, I mean, it, it's not great, but that I – uh, for me, I would. That means more Cam Miller. Um, I would imagine a guy like Daquan Hardy is going to play in that game. Um, but also, they have some young defensive backs that they really like at corners. Elliot Washington is, I think, is one. I think Zion Tracy is another. But uh, you know, I think that they really like the group. And you know, if, if they get some exposure, uh, not just on the practice field, but in the, in, in the bowl game. It's going to be a pretty good. De- it'll be a pretty good defense again. I don't think it's going to be this good, twenty twenty three good, but it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and like I mentioned, they they've got talent up and down that depth chart, not just in the two deep. You see Tony Rojas come in, in the game in the in every fourth quarter 
And it feels like he doesn't. He doesn't rack up 15 tackles, but it feels like he does because he's always around the ball. Uh, at corner, you mentioned Elliott, uh, Washington, and Zion Tracy. King Mack also in that secondary are guys who have already burned their red shirts. So uh, it's not like you're worried about them, um, you know, uh, you're throwing them out there and not, them not being ready, you know, to, to play in a game like that. They've been on the field, whether it's been special teams or chipping in on defense late. Uh, and what is really nice too, Bob, is that, you know, something that just to reiterate is that the bowl game does not count uh, against a player's red shirt. So um, I, I'll have to take a look and see which freshmen are hanging around. You know, if there are freshmen that are at the four game limit right now, uh, if there are, it's not like playing them in a bowl game will affect their eligibility um, moving forward. So that that's also good for James Franklin and his coaching staff as they, you know, sift through the, the opt outs and the potential you know, transfer portal exits as well. Guys who might want to enter and leave before a bowl game, um, you know, in terms of what they'll have uh, to work with in, in whatever bowl they end up playing in. Yeah. Uh, one more, one more thought here, Johnny. So I just think that in the, you know, after, after they got, after they cut ties with Yersich, I, I mean, there's some takeaways there. Like it's, you know, who, who has shown what, what's different and you can tell, I don't think they were on the same page because some of the things we're getting to see, uh, again, whether it was Rutgers or Michigan State, they seem pretty obvious, but they didn't really go into the game plan. You're seeing more of Bo Prabula, uh, a couple of plays where they're both on the field at the same time, but he's a weapon, right? And he needed to be, you know, not just play, he not, you know, they played some tough games. He wasn't always on the field. I thought that was key. And I, I mentioned Omari Evans, another guy, I think that for whatever reason, um, I, I just don't think that, I don't know if, I, I don't know if he was, uh, you know, hurt, but he just, he just looked like a guy in the spring, John, that he was going to be a player. So those two things I thought were very encouraging for this offense. Yeah. And you mentioned Amari, I think just bigger picture with the wide receiver room as a whole. Uh, we talk about that being a group that is going to be uh, a, a, an area of focus in the transfer portal. They used a lot more wide receivers over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, after your switch was fired, it wasn't just Amari that was getting in there. I mean, they were rotating pretty heavily even early in that Michigan state game. And, uh, you know, a part of that is maybe a detriment to, um, you know, like a Keandre Lambert Smith, uh, who you know, it felt like he hadn't been targeted in forever until he had that 22 yard catch against Michigan state. He didn't have a catch against Rutgers. Uh, you mentioned last week, you know, is he in the witness protection program? I'm interested to see his future and what he decides to do because he's a player that entered this season that, probably thought, hey, if I come out here as the number one wide receiver and post like an 800, 900-yard uh, season, you know, NFL scouts are going to be all over me. Um, and he has the big play potential, but, you know, was was really inconsistent this year and um, not always finishing routes. And so we'll see, you know, if he decides to come back to Penn State, if he decides to, you know, take his chances at the NFL, if he decides, hey, I'm going to enter the portal and see if there's a better opportunity for me elsewhere. Um, so Keandre is an interesting one uh, just to keep an eye on um, because, you know, this is a wide receiver room that while they didn't show it this year, certainly uh, they were like, that was the primary issue of the offense this year, in my opinion. Um, there's, it's still guys that are talented, like an Amari Evans, like a Caden Saunders, um, Dante Cephas, I still think has that kind of dog in him, that, that, that really good wide receiver in him. They just have to kind of extract that from him. Uh, so it's, it's a really interesting room. Uh, at an interesting juncture right now as the portal is getting set to open before the bowl game. Yeah. Johnny, I can't let you go uh, until you give me your uh, your pick of the week. Uh, just for the Penn State fans, you know, the holidays creeping a little bit closer. I know 
Usually if you have a strong opinion or a feeling about a game, chances are chances are you might be right. So just is there is there one game, Johnny, that you think either there's going to be a surprise or you really think the favorite is absolutely going to just go to work on, on the other team? Is there a game that jumps off the page to you so we can make the uh, fans of the blue-white break down some money? No pressure. Yeah, no, no pressure. Um, it, yeah, it, it's tough because initially I mentioned at the, at the top of the podcast that I love Oregon, but nine and a half is a lot of points. Um, they're nine and a half point favorites over Washington. And we saw that game. It was a three-point game earlier this season. Uh, but Washington has struggled a little bit. I would, I would probably steer clear of, of the nine and a half. I think that's just too big of a number, uh, personally. I like Texas minus 13 and a half against Oklahoma State because Texas finds itself in a position where they they not only need to win, I think, but they probably need to win convincingly. Um, you know, it, there, there's a lot of variables at stake here in terms of their potential, you know, CFP, um, you know, in terms of them getting a bid uh, because there's, you know, they have one loss to Oklahoma. But if they're able to go out there and, and just storm it and, and, and kill you know, Oklahoma State, and there's a loss or two, or you know, that, that it makes that conversation around them and maybe Florida State a little closer. They have that win over Alabama, uh, and I think Texas, after you know, kind of dragging a little bit for a few weeks, you know, came out last week and played really well. So uh, I think on the big stage, Quinn Ewers and, and that offense will shine, and uh, I like Texas this week to cover. And we're also going to be holding you. You snuck it. You tried to sneak it past us. If Oregon wins this weekend, you like them. You like them to win it yeah. all. Correct. I do. Yep, that'd be a nice little price if you hit on that one. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm. I think it's. Uh, oh, I, I think it's around like plus. It was like it was like like fourteen to one odds, uh, like a month ago or a month and a half ago. I'm not sure what it is right now. I'm curious. Let's 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 check. Uh, this is great podcasting. Um, but I, I do I, I do Jones like, move. By the way, you're pulling. It really is okay. So they're they're plus four eighty right now. So. They're the third favorites. You've got Michigan, Georgia, Oregon, and then Texas. Um, so, so yeah. Also, just in, in, what are you? What are your thoughts, Bob, on on Georgia, Alabama? Because that's a five and a half point spread. Yeah, right. So Alabama, Alabama, you know, survives uh, against their arch rival on the arch rivals field. I think there's. I mean, there's no way they would ever look past Auburn, but Auburn was geared up for that game, and that that was their bowl game. I still think that Alabama has the athletes obviously to beat Georgia. Um, they certainly have gotten better as the years gone on and five and a half to me, it seems too good to be true. Um, because, but, but, uh, I, I don't know. I think, I think Georgia, they, they could be peaking at the right time, but I, I think that, you know, Alabama, I don't, I don't think Alabama necessarily played poorly against Auburn. I think Auburn got, you know, gave it their best shot. I think they probably will cover, uh, Spread. I don't know if they could beat Georgia, but I would definitely take the five and a half. It'll be interesting too to see if that line moves at all this week. If, if people come in and throw a lot of money on Georgia or <laughs> like Alabama, <you>. no, no, no. <laughs> maybe, maybe, a, maybe a former Penn Live uh, worker here, but uh, no, it'll be interesting to see if that line moves one way or the other. Uh, because I, I wouldn't be surprised if it got up to seven. I wouldn't be surprised if it got to four. Um, so. So we'll have to keep, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely be keeping tabs on that, Bob. Yep. All right, Penn State fans, we'll be back. Who knows what's going to happen in the next week or so, but I think there's going to be a lot of news. So stay tuned. Uh, look forward at Penn Live. Bob Flanders, Johnny McGonigal, uh, signing off. 
This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.